0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. The final series in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs is underway. The New York Islanders with a one nothing lead at the end of the first period of play against the Philadelphia Flyers. Andy Green with his first goal of the playoffs. First meeting between the Islanders and the Flyers since 1987. Later on tonight, we have game two Dallas Stars And the Colorado Avalanche. Can the Avs even up the series after dropping game one, five, three? And they have some players dropping like flies as well. Eric Johnson, uh, Matt Calvert. So you got a defenseman and a forward, and the goaltender, Philippe Grubauer, is out as well. So. The Avs are definitely digging into their depth now, not to their top six players and not to their, you know, a little bit on their defense with Johnson being out on. And we'll see if uh, Mr. Fransos can uh, play uh, as as well as, as Grubauer has played so far in these playoffs. But uh, yeah, the Avalanche are facing a team in the Stars who have scored at will. They've scored 24 goals in their last six games, and they had three goals from Alex Radulov, Tyler uh, Sagan, and Jamie Benn and that win on Saturday. You probably have guessed by now, this is not Reed Wilkins' voice. No, it's not. I'm still broadcasting, the show still emanates from a basement. It's not Reed Wilkins' basement, it's Dave Campbell's basement here on 630 Ched Inside Sports. And as Reed so, um, just you know right on point last week, I was on last Monday talking about the CFL season. I was a little fired up because the season was canceled and I was a little upset at it. Several people or several entities, including the league itself, the government, you know, that sort of thing. And I said, Nice to be on your show, Reed. And he said, This is your show, too. That is true. But you know whose show it is? It's yours. It is your show. So you can text in it's, uh, at 780 496 0063. That's to call or text. Okay, I know that uh, Reed has a great following on the text line. I know it's like the substitute teachers now in, so maybe you're you're going to be like falling asleep with me um, at the front of the room, trying to with the mask, by the way, because that's the way things are going to be with the school reentry. You know, maybe I'm going to you know not be your 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 best cup of tea, but hey, I'm I'm a guy. Sitting in a basement, Kellen Kennedy back there at 630 Chid Central there. Hey Dave. Um, I'm just a guy talking sports in his basement, you know, listening to the pitter patter or the thump 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 of my kids, my four year old son and my two year old daughter, and trying not to drive their mother nuts. And I, you know, that's that's what that's what I'm doing here. So people can give me some love, Kellen. Give give us some love, right?
1: Thank you, Mrs. Campbell, for watching the kids tonight while Dave gets to <laughs> hang out with us here on air. So
0: that's right. Big it's ups, cool. big ups. Yeah. Last time I was on uh, this, uh, this time slot or, or doing, uh, doing inside sports for Reed is uh, back in mid-June. We were a one-hour show. We're back to uh, two hours now. We've been that way for about 10 weeks. So um, it's, it's awesome. It's great. So uh, like I said, we do have Stanley Cup playoff action. You know, it's interesting that, that I mean, this was supposed to be a night off for the Stanley Cup playoffs because originally when the schedule came out, um, everything was kind of set. So tomorrow was actually supposed to be the beginning of round two, but the NHL says, well, instead of having, you know, these teams and these players and, you know, the personnel just kind of walk around in the bubble, you know, and, you know, not be very excited to perhaps be there. Let's just make them go out and play. They probably just want to play, right? Not saying the bubble life is boring. I mean, I've heard there's some pretty cool things. I've seen the videos that NHL.com has put out there about life in the bubble. It seems pretty cool, but it, it does sound like the NHL, and it does appear that the NHL wants to speed things up here and and say, okay, so the, the less time that the players can stay in this bubble and we can get the season wrapped up, the the better. So uh, that's why the series started on, or the second round started on Saturday. They had two games yesterday. The uh, Bruins up one nothing on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then we had the Vancouver Canucks, who not look very good at all. Um, it, it, for a large portion of, of a 5 nothing loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, and we're going to dissect that a little bit later on uh, in this hour with uh, with Thomas Drance uh, from the Athletic in Vancouver. And the Canucks, uh, you know, I think they've been playing with fire this whole postseason, maybe not the Minnesota series, but w- with the Blues series. I mean, other than Game 6, they have been dominated they were dominated at, at long stretches by the blues who just, well, this doesn't help either. Jordan Bennington. Remember last year we're talking about Jordan Bennington and you know, just, just coming on the scene here and just having a great run from, you know, January 2nd of last year, when they were the 31st best team in the league, which means you're the worst team in the league. Well, here's Jordan Bennington's playoff numbers. Oh, and five. 4.72 goals against average, 8.51 safe percentage. Jake Allen was a better goaltender. And really, Craig Berube just, you know, what are, what are you going to do when you don't get the goaltending? They had good play from their defense, but they didn't get a lot from their forward group. Vladimir Tarasenko had to go home to St. Louis to get his surgically repaired shoulder looked at again. And then the Canucks. I mean, Bo Horvat was an absolute beast in that series. For a line that did not get a lot of time with the puck, it seemed every time Horvat had the puck on his stick, something good happened. So will it be uh, an omen for this series that the Vegas Golden Knights just look so dominant? I mean, the, the puck was on their stick, it seemed like, all night. And the Canucks got a bit of push from, you know, a couple of their bottom six lines. And Ryan Reeves was a menace all night and <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't know. It's uh, the, the Knights look like they're the best team in, in the, in the, in the hunt right now. You know, you look at the East now Philadelphia and the Islanders are playing right now. Flyers. They're not scoring. I mean, they won the series over Montreal in six games and were still outscored by two goals. 13, 11 against a the team. They shut out two games in a row. No goals from Claude Giroux. No goals from Travis Konechny. No goals from Sean Couturier. And tonight, no flyer has a goal tonight in this 1 Nothing lead for the New York Islanders. So we'll, uh, we'll continue to monitor this game as we continue. 780 496 0063. Oh, Kellen, we're getting song requests. We are. Yes. Okay. So you can take care of that road hammer texted. I'm so glad the regulars that, that text in this show to read road hammers, a great texter. Um, And you know, a few minutes into the show, he's, he's texted. I I like this. That's good. There you go. Uh, Kevin texted. I'm just curious to how long professional sports teams can stay viable without fans in the stands. Well, there's a question. And interestingly enough, our good friend, John Shannon tweeted, uh, about uh, an hour and a half before the show, I want to say. Maybe a little bit longer, a little bit less. So what's going to happen with the NHL for next season? Next season, preferably for the league, would be December the 1st. I think these leagues have just thrown out a date as a target date. It doesn't mean it's going to be December 1. NBA has done the same thing. And uh, we'll, I'll talk in a moment what their what – they're, uh, thinking about as well. Maybe Reed has touched on it. I don't think he has, though. Um, John Shannon, our good friend, NHL insider. The talk now, this is just talk right now, four bubbles. Don't know where the bubbles will be. you got to think Canada's going to factor big time in those bubbles if that's what happens. Four bubbles rotating 31 teams in those venues for eight-game increments. Uh-huh. Because the likelihood that you can travel all across this continent by the middle of, or by December, is probably pretty low at this point. The NBA is looking at four bubbles as well. Um, So the first uh, phase would be, now this was one idea, that you would have divisional games, in four bubbles so that would be about 16 games and then you move on I don't know what it looks like there after that another idea has been you wait all the way to March to start the season and I always bring in the NBA when I talk about what the NHL might do in this you know this COVID environment because I think the two are very much thinking on the same level there's always been a big relationship and a big tie-in between the NHL and the NBA because you know Gary Bettman is the commissioner and he has so many ties with the NBA because he used to work there under David Stern, the late David Stern. So March has been talked about as a start date. So you can have the sports calendar messed right up for two years. I mean, can you imagine you go March to October? I mean, perhaps that's what happens. Or there's this, this talk about two months in the bubble, one month off. So that's interesting. So we'll see, we'll see what the what the league. Uh, the NHL has to say uh, going forward or what the ideas will be, because the, the the problem is, is that you won't be able to get fans in the stands for who knows how long, you know, we talk about a vaccine, but we don't have an antiviral even. So that's going to be tough. I mean, can you get to a point where you're social distancing fans and you have, you know, the requirement is you're going to wear a mask to go to games as odd as that would seem, but nothing's, normal right now. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: Dave, if I could just interject quickly here, we've seen actually over the weekend uh, different companies and different sports leagues even over the past week or so start to implement uh, you know different ways of getting the fans involved. I mean, we've got uh, the NBA with their virtual setup. Uh, I guess it's like a Zoom type thing or you just sign up and yeah. do it. Uh, I know it's not an actual quote-unquote uh, sport, but WWE rolls out their Thunderdome concept on Friday, Yeah. and it's basically five or six LED ribbons around the rest ring where people could just zoom in and it looks like you know the, the fans are reacting and that stuff but they're sitting on their couch at home and uh yeah. you know they're reacting under that so i almost wonder if that's maybe going to be something that we're going to see more of in the future rather than imminent i guess
0: or yeah s- and we've seen we kind of seen something similar like you look in the nhl and it doesn't happen very often, but like you, you, see in the corner on the some of the the uh, stoppages of play, and you look in the corner one of the, uh, the the big boards there, and you do see some pictures of some fans that are are, are watching the game virtually or, or being shown virtually, I guess. And in the NBA, if you notice, uh, in the bubble in Orlando or in, or in the uh, in the in the courts in Orlando, above the player benches, there's like about what four or five rows of virtual fans. So. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I know what you're talking about with the Thunderdome, and I'm a wrestling fan, and I, you know, I did watch SummerSlam, and I thought it looked cool, it looked weird, it's a little clunky right now, so it's not very smooth at times, but, yeah, that, that is definitely a consideration. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Norman Combine says, hey, Dave Reed has 14 loyal li- listeners, we love him. That, that's very true. That is very true. So, uh, I, I do appreciate that, Norman Combine." Big L. Oh, my goodness. Big L is texted in. My my week has been made. Awesome. Happy Monday, Big L. Hey, hey, substitute teacher. You've always done a great job filling in for me. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of talking about maybe Edmonton of Toronto doing a deal. Uh, oil have youthful depth promise uh, pro- and promise at the D position. The Leafs have about $40 million devoted to, to one line and a defender. So how about nursing something for Nylander and something? Okay. What we're going to do, we're just going to step out here for a bit, reset
2: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: That because there's another there's another um, little nugget I want to throw at you to see if you you know what you would think about this it has to do with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll do that in a second here. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins. It is Monday. It is Inside Sports. It's still 2-1, uh, uh, or sorry, 2-1. During the second, it's one nothing Islanders over the Flyers. Later on tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs here in Edmonton in around 745, Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche will play game two of their second-round series. The Stars lead that one game to nothing. Jays with a win today in afternoon baseball as... Uh, Well, he did it again. Randall Grichuk hit a three-run shot in the seventh inning. The Jays beat the Tampa Bay Rays 6-4. Thomas Hatch worked two scoreless innings for the win, but Grichuk had to leave the game because of back tightness and uh, the way he's been playing lately. He's been basically carrying the Jays uh, to victories, and they're in a playoff spot right now in this uh, very shortened baseball season. Okay, Big L talked about uh, what about basically, okay, so I just want to, Get it totally correct here. What about uh, nursing something for Nylander and something? Yeah, you know, I'll just say this in general. You know, if you're going to get rid of Darnell Nurse, how are you going to repl- how are you going to replace that? Because is Caleb Jones ready to take a step and go into the top four? Because Darnell Nurse and you know you can say the texts about Darnell Nurse is not an NHL top four defenseman. I think on a lot of teams he is on the Oilers. He definitely is. So let's talk about the Oilers. He is a top four defenseman. So who's going to take those minutes? Is Caleb Jones ready? Is William Laguson ready? Is Evan Bouchard ready? You know, that's the concern. So if you're going to make a trade and get rid of your top four defensemen, one of your top four defensemen, you have to figure out how you're going to replace that. So I, I don't see that happening, Big L. Now here's what I'm talking about with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jim Rutherford has talked about, the GM has talked about changes because They were not very good. They were very listless in a four-game loss in the qualifying round to the Montreal Canadiens. Both Tristan Jari, who is from here and is an ex-Oil King, and Matt Murray, who has won a couple Stanley Cups, they're both restricted free agents. Murray makes about 3.75 or did, and Jari has come off ELC, and he he made under 7. There's talk that there is no way this comes from Josh Yo from The Athletic in Pittsburgh that Jim Rutherford is likely going to trade one of those goaltenders. And Edmonton's name was dropped in that article. Not saying it's you know going to happen, but would one of Matt Murray or Tristan Jari interest you? Because Miko Koskinen will be here, Mike Smith, probably looking to move him. So I'll just leave that out for you. 780-496. 0063 news is next from the 630 chat 25 hour news center. We will head to Vancouver next and we'll talk about the Canucks, their big upset win over the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues who will no longer be Stanley Cup champions this year and the five nothing loss of the Vegas Golden Knights. Is that an omen for what we're going to see for the rest of the series or is that just typical game 1 stuff? Back with more in a moment. <laughs> Wilkins this week on 630 Chad inside sports and mention as well. Uh, of course, there's no CFL season this year, which is uh, unfortunate. We can't bring you uh, the double E's on your voice of the double E's and of the CFL here in Edmonton, 630 Chad. But uh, the league has allowed CFL players under contract to opt out. They have seven days to opt out and pursue an NFL opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'll explain it a little bit later. Uh, in the show and later in the week, there. But uh, Ricky Collins Jr. of the Edmonton or the, uh, there, almost did it again. Okay, looning to the jar there, of the uh, Double E football team uh, has opted out to pursue an NFL opportunity. So uh, we, we know that already. Today, there was about uh, eight to 10 somewhere in that range that that have opted out. So uh, the rights will be retained by the, S, by the uh, double E football team uh, for Ricky Collins. So uh, I'll, I'll explain the rules later, but if you're a, a 2021 20, 2022 20, pending free agent or, or even longer, I don't think there's many that are longer, um, you have until next Monday to opt out of your contract or else you'd be retained by your club. And then there's rules on the other end. But Ricky Collins Jr. is going to try and catch on with a uh, member – uh, of the NFL who are in their training camps. Of course, there's no preseason games. The season will get underway in about, uh, I guess, a couple weeks from now. If the Oilers get rid of Darnell Nurse, they're idiots. This is from Dennis. Jordy says trading Nurse would be a huge mistake. Him and Bear are a perfect tandem. I think Ethan Bear and, and Darnell Nurse have played well together. I think Ethan Bear is uh, definitely someone to watch in the future, as far as a puck mover goes, because the Oilers do need more defensemen that can move the puck out of their zone. So they're not defending as much. Uh, here's a curious text. Does Connor McDavid want to win more period or do so with his pals, Darnell and Leon? Yeah. I I don't know what give you or anyone the impression that they don't want to win. I think it's learning how to win as a team. I think it's what you need to do in the playoffs that, uh, that this is what the team is doing and they're flawed. They, they are flawed. I mean, Reed has talked about it. Bob has talked about it on, on, on the shows here. And we, we have to just face facts that look the desire and want to, and, and, and those three that you mentioned want to win badly, but they need help and they themselves need to do more, but it's really, it's the, they're a flawed roster right now in a lot of respects. They're a good team and they need to improve going forward. And and that's it. And that's it. All right, Santa Cup playoff update. Late in the second, the Islanders lead 1-0 over the Philadelphia Flyers. Still to come, Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche here in Edmonton in about an uh, hour and 10 minutes from now. And the Stars lead that series one game to nothing. Last night, oh, the Canucks took it on the chin after a big six-game win over the uh, St. Louis Blues defending Stanley Cup champion. Crashed down to earth five nothing to the Vegas Golden Knights last night. Head coach Travis Green calls it the worst performance of the postseason.
1: And they got a quick team. That might have been part of it. Maybe their speed caught some of our players by surprise a little bit, uh, where they turned over some pucks. I definitely think we should have been better with the puck, and we've got to play a lot better if we're gonna if we're gonna win this series.
0: And to talk about it is, uh, I guess we've had on the show uh, a couple times over the last uh, six weeks or so. Thomas Drantz from the Athletic in Vancouver. Thomas, thanks for coming back on the show. How you doing? I'm doing well and you know I'm actually in Edmonton. I've been in Edmonton. For I was going to ask first you first that. Place. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm so I'm adjacent to the bubble, not in the bubble, but I'm just <laughs> walking down 104th right now on my way to Rogers Place to take in this Avalanche Dallas game 2. This will be my 35th game of return to play live standing at the top of the 200 level at Rogers Arena, or Rogers Place, excuse me. Uh, an easy mistake to make, considering the similar names in Vancouver and Edmonton. And, uh, you know, it's been great. Like, I- I'm-, I'm dog tired, but I get to watch live hockey this summer, and uh, there's worse things than that.
0: Well and I think that in itself I mean we should all be blessed and you, you know that we get this chance to talk hockey and for yeah. you I mean 35 games, I think there's a lot of people envious and I know there's look I'm not here to bash media, I'm not here to bash my fellow media members, but I have seen some of them complain about the format and complain about you know zoom meetings and, and zoom calls and things aren't what they used to be and yeah no kidding but overall, <laughs> how have you how have you found things flowing as far as, you know, going to watch the games from leaving the facility to uh, to the Zoom calls, and it's a good move today that the NHL is now uh, yeah. mandating that teams have a morning availability with the media on game day. I think that is a very key thing. Uh, but but how have you found it, Thomas?
2: Yeah. So uh, you know, that's an overdue thing.
0: To be totally honest with you, the Canucks will
2: tomorrow do their first pregame availability of the postseason, considering the amount of media out in vancouver and the interest from the <laughs> locals uh that seems wildly out of whack with you know basic demands uh of, of you know in a professional league the, for an entertainment product so you know i think that's a good if overdue step i think you know it's also worth noting while we started with 12 teams in this edmonton bubble we're down to four and mm-hmm. we're not going to get above that number at any point soon so you know the idea that at this point you can't safely accommodate a couple of pool reporters to watch team practices and morning skates seems a little bit ridiculous and i think that's sort of the next yeah. front the next thing we have to push for here uh, the zoom calls are antiseptic hostile difficult to have the kinds of emotional conversations um or just one-on-one like emoting conversations that yield good storytelling typically speaking uh, you know, you haven't heard a lot. Like, think about the hockey content you've consumed. There's been a lot of game coverage. Um, you know, there's been some coverage of the trash talk. That's sort of become my niche. I just listen to all the swears <laughs> that Rogers Place and, and tweet them out. Uh, so if, you're, if, you're, if your listeners want to follow and hear all the chirps from the ice that I can overhear, follow me on Twitter. Uh, but parental discretion is advised. And, <laughs> you know, but I do think that overall the league is best served when guys are able to tell you know personal stories and, and let fans know who they are and you know reporters yeah. who have relationships are able to get honest reactions to play from players about a variety of things or even just confirm a small detail like hey did you see that guy hey what was said there you know like we don't mm-hmm. even get we don't even get some of that some of that usual like playoff trash talk that raises the stakes uh, i think we're missing some of that too so you know The most important thing is when I go to the arena, I feel safe. Uh, There's been no sort of COVID outbreaks among Group 5 media members. Obviously, we know that the NHL has now gone essentially two full cycles uh, over a month without a positive test in either a Phase 3 facility or in the bubble. At the end of the day, that's way more important than some of the sort of storytelling um, absences that we're facing in this new normal, as it were. But I I still think that, you know, as the NHL gets better at this, as the media gets better at at this, as we continue to partner and adjust, uh, there are some things that we can perhaps figure out better solutions for than what we've gone to so far.
0: Well said, Thomas. Absolutely. As we're joined by uh, Thomas Drance from The Athletic uh, Vancouver here on 630 chat Inside Sports. Let's talk about the game last night. I mean, after a six-game upset over the St. Louis Blues where I I thought – for much of that series, Thomas, the Canucks were playing with hot fire, but they found a way to get through, and we know the Canucks, they they got a good top six, they they're quick, but man, oh man, they uh, it, it was blindingly quick what they saw last night with the Vegas Golden Knights losing 5 nothing.
2: Yeah, you know, the Golden Knights are in a class with maybe two, maybe three other teams in the entire league. Uh, you know, you probably put Boston, Tampa, and Colorado up there with them, but maybe that's it. I think that's it, personally. That's how good they are, and it showed. Uh The Canucks weren't on their game. Their, their top six, like their big guns, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, across the board, JT Miller, too. Across the board, they sort of had their quietest nights of the playoffs. They all had them at the same time. Even Vancouver's vaunted power play wasn't clicking. And... Mm-hmm. You know, with, with this Vegas team, your margin for error is not significant enough that so you can afford an off-night from all of your best skaters at the exact same time. Uh, Vegas made them pay. And and here's sort of the scary thought for Canucks fans, is while Pete DeBoer praised Vegas' performance, for me, I thought while they brought the work rate and that playoff intensity, and while their finishing game was there, I don't know that they were at their best. I, I don't think that they're sort of puck moving uh, in transition was as sharp as I've seen it on occasion in this playoffs to this point and that's a scary thought because for me anyway, I'm not saying Vegas was sloppy, but it wasn't their crispest performance either. So while the Hoopers going to need to raise their floor and play an awful lot better forget winning the series just to hang in this series, I also think there's room for improvement over what we saw from Vegas in a dominant 5-0 victory.
0: Yeah, I don't know what you felt about about what I said about the Canucks versus the Blues, but my concern when I watched the Canucks is are they getting enough out of their top six? And and Bo Horvat just seemed every time he had the puck on his stick, he just seemed to do something magical with it. And you know he didn't have that line didn't have the puck on their stick a lot at times against the Blues. And no. then you're playing a team that is quick as Vegas uh, is. Do, are the Canucks overall getting enough? from their 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 top six overall or they're gonna have to push more here
2: yeah i mean i think they're not at five on five they're not and they haven't for a while and look i think that's a product to some extent of the opponents they're facing now you know it's one thing to be a team that with so with Pedersen and hughes on the ice at the same time right the canucks with their leading center on the ice and the defenseman that he played with most frequently five on five. The Canucks outscored the opposition uh, by 18 in the regular season. They controlled Mm -hmm. 60% of shot attempts overall. Both margins were the best in the league compared to the other 30 member clubs. So, you know, this is a top end that had the looking uh, or had the makings of an elite group, but you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden, every time Hughes and Pedersen are over the, over the boards, it's O'Reilly and it's Pietrangelo, right? And now in the Vegas series, it's, yeah, last night, anyway, it was Paul Stasny, <laughs> Riley Smith, Jonathan Marsasso, and, and a steady diet of Shea Theodore and Alec Martinez, right? So, right. you know, there's no off nights here. Every every shift is against the opponent's best. You're the guy they're targeting, zeroing in on. The way that they targeted Quinn Hughes with some of their forechecking schemes, I mean, they're clearly beating, uh, daring. Other Canucks defenders, Vancouver, you know, doesn't have a ton of really fleet of foot blue liners they're basically daring them to move the pot um that's a gambit that i think worked really well for vegas as pointy Hughes had by far his most human performance in the playoffs now all of that said uh the canucks do need more out of their top six if they're going to advance and win uh, and i think they'll get it over the balance of the series i don't think you're going to see vancouver i mean you might see vegas low out vancouver again in this series vegas has a habit of playing with their food as it were It's just Mm -hmm. this imperious (laughs) buzzsaw of a hockey team. But the Canucks overall are able, I think, to have proven to be able to bounce back in a variety of difficult circumstances. That's sort of what's been their bread and butter. I suspect we'll see them bounce back again in game two. And whether it shows up on the scoreboard or not, I mean, I think it will, but whether it shows up on the scoreboard or not, I think we'll see a cleaner, uh, more polished performance from a Canucks team. You know, going forward in this series, and especially in Game Two, where I, where I would expect them to, you know, prove that they're made of more formidable stuff than they appeared to be, when Vegas took them to the
0: woodshed last night. Thomas Trance joining us, hockey writer for the Athletic. Uh, he's based in Vancouver, but in Edmonton right now, uh, uh, covering the Stanley Cup playoffs here on 6:30, and joining us on 6:30, Chet Inside Sports. Let's talk about the game within the game here. Um, Ryan Reese had 10 hits. Uh, Ryan Reeves was, and and others were really going after Antoine Roussel, who decided he was going to go after Ryan Reeves early. Um, <laughs> yeah. It seemed like a really bad decision. And I mean, when you look when you look at it, I mean, Ryan yeah. Reeves' line they weren't great last night, but oh, I think they were. I think, I think they were. They were. Okay, go ahead.
2: Here's my here's my argument to you. I think they were, and here's why. The minutes leader at 5-on-5 five five for the Vegas Golden Knights was Chandler Stevenson, who, by the way, can fly. He was a great pickup for them. Uh, Ryan O'Reeves was... Well, Ryan O'Reeves. I've clearly seen too much Ryan O'Reilly in the past. <laughs> Ryan Reeves was second among uh, Vegas uh, sort of forwards. Um, they got outshot when they were on the ice, but as the minutes leaders, the amount of shots, the amount of scoring chances, uh, the expected goal metrics against were extremely minimal. So in a in game one of a blowout, as Vegas began to sit their best players more and more and just trot out their fourth line, there's, you know, Reeves and Carrier and Stevenson throwing hits Giving up mm-hmm. very little defensively and just wearing down the opposition over, per, you know, at the start of what could be but may not be a long series. Um, for me, especially in a condensed playoff schedule environment like the one we're dealing with in the bubble, that's about as good a game as you're going to ever get from your fourth line. They kept the they kept the boys fresh higher up the lineup. They wore down the Canucks' D. They didn't give up a lot—not just goals, but scoring chances or shots either. So while they were outshot, we can write some of that off the score effects. And what they did overall was tremendously valuable. And that's even without sort of considering the way that, you know, Reeves and company just went after the Canucks with a a variety of burns. Like, they were mean. You know, by the end, it was like, oh, oh, wow. Wow. That's a really mean thing to say. You could hear it from <laughs> up top. Um, they were just absolutely ravaging the Canucks verbally, too, uh, when they weren't playing. And when they were, uh, you know, I think they played the type of game that, you know, you, you might feel down the line in this series. Canucks defenders might be feeling some of those hits in games four and five. Nothing more you can ever ask for from a fourth line. It was a master class in playing on that edge without ever even, you know,
0: stepping your toe on it. Just perfect. Yeah. Well, I think the D-man might be saying to Antoine Roussel, let the big boy sleep, okay? Just (laughs) let him him sleep. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Thomas, (laughs) as always, it's always great to have you on the show, man. Uh, Enjoy your night. Enjoy the game tonight, uh, Game 2, Stars and Avs, okay? We'll have you on again soon. Yeah, thanks. My absolute pleasure. All the best. Bye. Thomas Drance from the Athletic, of Vancouver, uh, based out of Vancouver in Edmonton right now, uh, covering the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, game two between the uh, Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights that'll go tomorrow night. I believe it's an eight thirty start at uh, seven forty five uh, to no, I think it's a seven thirty start tomorrow. I'll get it confirmed later. Um, Kellen, maybe you could look that up for me. Um, Sure. The Stars and Avalanche will get going in about uh, less than an hour from now as the Avs look to even that series up at one game apiece. Back with more Inside Sports in a moment. Second round, game one in the East. The New York Islanders hanging on to a one nothing lead over the Philadelphia Flyers. It's a great start for the Islanders in the first period. They were they were all over the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, controlling the play, controlling possession, better chances, and then it just uh, it just flipped. But uh, we are seeing uh, a good goaltending performance again from uh, Semyon Varlamov of the uh, New York Islanders. So the Islanders one nothing or the Philadelphia Flyers. They are stingy. Um, they play kind of dull hockey under Barry Trotz. 1.67 goals against average right now. Uh, that's the Islanders' GAA. That's the lowest ever in their history. Flyers, by the way, they're 1.78 goals against average, led by Sherwood Park's Carter Hart. Or as I saw a uh, feature on NHL.com with Kevin Hayes, who's a funny guy. Calls him Hat" because uh, Kevin Hayes is from Boston. And apparently Carter Hart does not like being called cut Hart. Too bad. You're a rookie. You have to deal with it, kid. That's the way it goes. But he's playing really well. I mean, he beat his idol, Carey Price. There you go. Uh, you can text in at uh, 780-496-0063. Please address how a season happens next year without a vaccine. Can't play all year in a bubble. Major League Baseball model doesn't work. There will not be a vaccine by Christmas. I'm concerned we've seen the last of hockey for a while. I uh, think it's a concern shared by many, but I think the bubble concept is uh, going to be highly considered because it works, but you're right. Um, You can't expect players to be away for their families for six months out of the year. Um, Maybe you could for a short time, I guess, maybe you could put in some gaps in the schedule where you can put a week off or two weeks off or something like that, or, I don't know if you do what the NBA is thinking of doing. uh, One of their ideas is two months on, one month off. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a concern for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Myrrh the Flames guy says the CFL release could be almost as bad for the CFL as no fans. If it becomes an excess of players opting out. It should be Murr the Stamps guy this time of year. Yes, it should be. (laughs) Yes, it should. Labor Day is going to be tough this year. Uh, with no Labor Day Classic, even though it's not a great game, and there's a lot of there's a lot of hype surrounding it. Um, I think it's a good thing actually because it's a good show of, uh, I think a, a good gesture by the league. If there are players with NFL interest that could play this year, let them play. So, like I said, we uh, Ricky Collins Jr. of the double E's, he's uh, opting out to pursue an opportunity, and how many others were there today? Um, well, Cloud Bethel Thompson of the Argos, quarterback. Uh punter from the Red Blacks, Richie Leone, Riders kicker, Brett Louther, former Eskimo and current Riders linebacker, Dion Lacey, Dakota Shepley, offensive lineman of the Riders, Winton McManus, uh, Canadian linebacker from the Stamps, and Sergio Castillo from the BC Lions. So there's a few today. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a good gesture considering if you have a chance, go play. Uh, And I don't think you're going to see a mass exodus of players leaving, but you're going to see, my guess is you're going to see maybe a quarter of the players at most uh, opt out and pursue work. We'll talk some football next uh, hour with Morley Scott, morning anchor on 630 Ched Mornings. Also my broadcast partner on double E football here on 630 Ched, play-by-play voice. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't give you any football, but we'll talk about the CFL season being canceled and just the number of voices you heard last week. On this show, talking about it, I think we had a really good cross section of, of guests and opinion, and and uh, so we'll go from there, and then we'll head to Montreal next half hour as well. Talk to our good buddy Brian Wild. It's Campbell in for Wilkins on six thirty. Chad Inside Sports this week. Six thirty. Chad
2: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on six thirty. Chad.